Hi, beloveds. It's Ardith Blumenthal. Well, it's official. We're on lockdown just like everyone else here in New Jersey. All the businesses are closed both here and in New York City, except for essential services. So we're feeling the uh, tension that we spoke about during the last podcast. One of the things that we mentioned just for review is about trusting God in the middle of the storm. And this is a really a primary principle for maintaining our sense of well-being and our inner peace during these happenings. Even so, and with that, while waiting upon the Lord to act on our behalf, uh, things are changing all around us. And I want you to know that there are some important actions that we can take on behalf of ourselves and our loved ones. Next week, I'll have a doctor friend of mine whose specialty is infectious disease on a podcast to talk about safety steps we can all take. But right now, I want to talk about what life-giving spiritual steps we can take. So I've organized a couple that I want to talk about. First, you can be encouraging to one another. Say aloud to others the words of comfort and healing that you want somebody to say to you. Hearing those words, speaking those words edifies you and hearing those words edifies the person to whom you are speaking. Proverbs 3 says, Do not let mercy and kindness and truth leave you. Instead, let these qualities define you. So let me say that again. Do not let mercy and kindness and truth leave you. Instead, let these qualities define you. That's a really amazing statement. And then the scripture goes on to say, bind them securely around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. And in so doing, there's a promise says you'll find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. I always remember Timothy's words in times like these, Timothy 1 7, 2 Timothy 1 7. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So I've been thinking about this and how it fits into this situation and why it's important. And to me, what it means is I am not powerless. You are not powerless. It doesn't matter what's happening around us. We have power. And the power that, we, that, that I see that we can bring to this situation is that we can be the voice of reason. You can be the voice of reason. You can be the voice of wisdom. You can be the voice of comfort to those in your home, to those in your building, to those in your circle, to your friends on social media, you can bring words of peace and comfort. And I want you to also to remember that God created the world by the power of his word. So we really need to remember that our words have power too. Our words do. And the environment literally can be altered by the words you choose to speak. You're a light carrier. Remember, you carry light into the darkest of situations. And you can restore hope and bring comfort. You have the power of life, of resurrection life, the power of the Holy Spirit, 
you need little else to do these things for yourself and others. Number two, I want you to be kind to one another. Remember that other people are feeling just as vulnerable and at risk as you are. Kindness can diffuse a lot of volatile situations and make everyone around you feel so much better. I know in my business life as a, as a businesswoman, um, in my experiences working, working as a nurse and in the medical field, and then just in life, that when people are frustrated and when they're angry and when they're scared, a little bit of kindness can really turn the situation around. You want somebody to listen to you, to understand you, to extend kindness to you. So remember to do that for something else. Whether you're self-isolating, sheltering in place, just have restrictions on your movement, or in actual quarantine, remember that it's an opportunity for you to be kind. Um, I also love personally all of those little thing vignettes that you see from time to time about random acts of kindness. So do that if, if your situation permits. There's always somebody who needs your help. Number three, be, produ be productive. Uh, rem remember those tasks you told yourself, I would do that if I only had time. The ones that are in the back of your closet or the bottom of the file cabinet. Well, now you do have time. So tackle them and see what comes of it. I have a friend who sorted through 30 years of her photos and I decided I'm going to put that on my list too. Again, thinking about this and about um, being productive in confinement, I was reminded of the Apostle Paul who refers to himself as a I-Paul. He's an apostle in chains. Because when he wrote to the Corinthians and the Thessalonians and the Colossians and the Ephesians, and he wrote the book of Acts and so forth. He was most of that time in prison, not only just in prison, but shackled. And yet look how productive he was in confinement. Look how world-changing his actions were in confinement. Look how he encouraged a continent in confinement. And you can do that too. So remember that confinement isn't death. Confinement is opportunity. Number four is my favorite, personally. You can pray. There is always, always, always work to do in the spiritual realm. So I challenge you to pray for the safety and protection of your family and friends. Pray for the recovery of those affected by the virus. Pray that those in authority in your town, in your region, in your state, in your country will have the wisdom of God resting upon them. And as we discussed last time, remember that the virus itself is an enemy to be trampled under our foot. So go to war against the virus itself and ask God to strip it of its power. Number five, and the last step I have, is reach out and serve others. Call a friend, read something inspirational to them over the phone, or send them something inspirational. Focus on the positive. Think about things that are healing, that are um, uplifting. 
remember to laugh. Uh, support somebody who's more scared than you are. And be strong in the power of his might. Like we did last time, and because I believe this to be the case, I think that God's word at this time is much more comforting than I could ever be. So I'm going to read a couple of sections of scripture. The first one is from 2 Chronicles chapter 7. So let me just set this up for you a little bit, and I'll try to make some kind of a separation between when I'm reading and when I'm talking. But Solomon had just finished the construction of the first temple in Jerusalem and dedicated it with a beautiful prayer that everybody should read. It's in the previous chapter. And uh, he went to sleep very satisfied with the work that he'd done, believing that he'd accomplished all that he'd set out for to do. And we know that the temple in Jerusalem, Solomon's temple, was destroyed. No, no temple stands there at this time. But in the New Testament, it tells us that we are the temple of God. The reason for the temple was a place, it was a place for the citizens of Israel to bring their sacrifices. But in the New Testament, we are told that we're the living sacrifice. So we're aware of that as we're reading this scripture. So starting with chapter, chapter 7, verse 11. And so Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the palace of the king. He successfully accomplished all that he'd planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his palace. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer, and I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or if I command locusts to devour the land, or, and this is our situation, if I send pestilence and plague among my people, my people, that's us in this case, because we are now the people of God, and my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive as prayer is offered in this place. So those are our marching orders as I see it. So the pestilence and the plague is here. We're called by his name, so we have three things we have to do. Humble ourselves, pray and seek. I guess that's two things in one. But in the Amplified from which I'm reading, it says in parentheses, after seek, it says crave, require as a necessity my face. So if we humble ourselves, pray and seek, and we turn our back on wickedness, then God is going to look from heaven He's going to hear us when we pray, and he's going to heal our land. So do that this week. Pray with a true, humble heart and contrite spirit, and let's just see what, the God, what God's going to do. Then my second scripture is a reading from Psalm 27 with some variations of mine. And... Uh, I just want you to, once again, listen prayerfully as I read it. The Lord is my light 
and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the refuge and fortress of my life. Whom shall I dread? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. So in this case, as I'm reading this, I am saying that my adversary and enemy is the coronavirus and fear. And that coronavirus and that fear are going to stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though a war rise against me, even in this, I'm confident. So we hear the president and the others saying we're on war footing. This is a war. This is a war against an invisible enemy. Yes, it is. But we are accustomed to wars by invisible enemies, are we not? Can we see the spirit world? No. Where do most of our attacks come from? The invisible world. So we are confident that even though a war rise against us, we're fine. Then we'll go back to the scripture, verse 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord, and that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, in his presence, all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty, the delightful loveliness, and the majestic grandeur of the Lord, and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will hide me in his shelter. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock, and now my head will, not, will be lifted up above my enemy, the coronavirus, above my enemy, fear. In his tent, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. This is a very important little section that I want you to consider because we run to his shelter and he puts us in his secret place, raises us up above our enemies, and we offer a sacrifice. And in our case, we don't do live sacrifices. We are the live sacrifice. And the thing that we do is we praise and we're joyful, even in this situation. And God really honors that. So verse 7, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious and compassionate to me, and answer me. When you said, Seek my face in prayer, require my presence as your greatest need, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I will seek. So, Again, going back to the scripture in Chronicles, you see, he answers us when we come to him in this way. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor leave me, O God of my salvation. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies who lie in wait. Do not give me up to the will of fear or to the will of coronavirus or to the will of panic. They breathe out violence. I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Wait for him, my brothers and sisters. Expect him. He's there and he will come through for you and your loved ones. So I'll talk to you next week. Love you. Bye. Hi, my beloveds. It's Ardeth Blumenthal. I just wanted to send you a little message in light of all of the things that are going on all around us. I've noticed so much fear in the air, whether I'm at the grocery store or the drugstore or driving in the car with the news on. There's so much tension that's created by the isolation of avoiding crowds, by staying in, by not knowing how much to stockpile. Um, people are really fearful of being in want and they don't know where to turn. They, they, we know that we can return to our neighbors and that we can turn to each other, but where do we actually go to obtain peace? So as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about uh, Yeshua, Jesus being the Prince of Peace and giving us that peace that passes all understanding and what that means to have that calm in the middle of the storm. I was thinking about a song that we used to sing in church when I was a girl, and it said, I have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Anchored to a rock that cannot move, anchored firm and deep in the Savior's love. And I thought how much peace those simple lyrics give me that I have an anchor, and it doesn't matter what happens around me. What this, how the circumstances change, how much tension is in the air, because I've found my place of peace. And so I want to encourage you that the peace of God is free. It's available 24-7. I mean, you don't have to stockpile it because there is an endless flowing supply of the peace of God. And if you will call upon him in this time, he will hear you. Remember that he's far above your circumstance, whatever your circumstance is. And he's thinking of you. I love the script, the verse in Psalm 139 that says that his thoughts toward us are as numerous as the sands of the sea. So he's thinking of you all the time and he knows exactly what you need. He's just waiting for you. So rather than talk about the situation any further today, I thought that it would be just a good time to pray and share some scripture. So, let's pray. Father God, you are the great and glorious God, creator of heaven and earth. You are a strong and mighty God and able to deliver us. As you have done in the past, you can do now. Father, we the sheep of your pasture, the beloved of your heart, are under attack from an invisible enemy, a microbial terrorist, so to speak. Around us throughout the whole world, people are suffering and dying by its hand. They don't seem to remember your word, your power, and your famous loving kindness. 
Instead, they are in fear and despair. The civil and medical authorities, Father, are giving dire warnings, and the media is blanketing the atmosphere with fear and misgiving. Even the even many of the devout have fallen prey to the curses being spoken over them by those that they're warning and caution, that they're warning and cautioning. We know that they're genuine warnings and sincere efforts, but we also know that we we must take spiritual authority in this matter. So right now we take back our God-given power that was granted us in Luke ten nineteen. We have been given power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing can by any means harm us. Nothing. We will not be shaken by the events in the world, but instead have confident faith that our deliverance is at hand. I'm praying the words of Psalm 91 over you, and I ask that you listen carefully with an open hand, open heart, and an open mind. <clears throat> as we pray these over ourselves and everyone we love. This is the Amplified Version with my modifications. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will remain secure and rest in the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no enemy can withstand. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust with great confidence and on whom I rely. For he will save you and me from the trap of the fowler. And this is right here for our consumption and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you and completely protect you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a wall. I just love that. You will not be afraid. This is, means you and I will not be afraid of the terror of night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, that little microbe that we can't even see nor of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but danger will not come near you. You will only be a spectator because you have made the Lord your refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels in regard to you to protect and defend and guard you in all your ways of obedience and service. The, they will, that is the angels will, lift you up in their hands so that you don't even strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, and the coronavirus you will trample underfoot because he set his love on me. This is God talking now. He said, because he, that it would be you or me, set his love on me, therefore I will save him. I will set him securely on high because he knows my name. 
He confidently trusts and relies on me, knowing I will never abandon him. No, never. He, that would be you or me again, will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with a long life. I will satisfy him and I will let him see my salvation. Isn't that a glorious scripture? My goodness, it's so says everything that we need to hear right now. So continuing on, we are servants of the Most High. We're your servants, Father. And as such, we fearlessly serve others. We strengthen, so we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And we believe what you say, and we know that we will emerge victorious. In my book, Storming Heaven with Prayer for Healing and Deliverance, you can find a lot of prayers that you can adapt to the situation and you can pray them over your family and your loved, your loved ones as you need to do. So God bless you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Signing off. Hello, beloveds. It's Ardeth Blumenthal. As promised today, I have brought on to our podcast a friend of mine, Dr. Karen, who happens to be board certified in both occupational medicine and internal medicine, and she has a master's in public health. So much of her her public career, she has um, done exactly the kinds of things that we see the doctors from the CDC doing now. And I thought it would be a great thing to hear things from her perspective especially since she's a woman of God and a woman of prayer. So she looks at these things from the same viewpoint that we do, that God is sovereign and that he is mighty and strong in the face when, we, when we're facing any enemy. So welcome, Karen, to the podcast. Hello, Ardeth. How are you today? God bless you and God bless all your listeners. Thank you so much. I'm doing really well. So I was wondering if you would um, just tell the audience a little bit about your walk with the Lord and what it has meant to you to be both a physician in the healing uh, arts and sciences, sciences and a believer and a follower of Jesus. Well, I really learned a lot about um, about this kind of union of being a doctor and a believer uh, about eight years ago when I found out I had uh, breast cancer, and I had a, a pretty bad form of it. Um, but at, right at the time that I got my biopsy results, God told me, he said, daughter, let go of the rope and fall into my hands. I'll catch you. So wow. from that time on, I went through this horrible experience with cancer and I was never afraid because I knew that God would catch me. And I think that that's what he's saying to all of us during this time, that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of, of power and love and a sound mind. So, you know, we shouldn't have a spirit of fear, he says, but we do have power because of the word of the Lord. We have love that we can show to our fellow um of all the fellow people that, we're, that are in our, our, our um, circle, and also
also a sound mind. And by sound mind, I think he means wisdom. Um, wisdom is part of having a sound mind. And wisdom is also science. So we need to listen to the various scientists who are dealing with us with this epidemic, and we need to follow their instructions. So, so you um, believe that science and medicine and faith are all compatible Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's one of the reasons I went into medicine to begin with was because I saw where that, you know, so much of Jesus' ministry was healing, right? Right. And so I think that uh, probably the same thing that wrote, uh, you know, caused you to be a nurse. Mm-hmm. It, we are called to, to, one of the things we're called to do is we're called to heal people just like Jesus did. Right. So, um, I just wanted to ask you why, um, because people are asking me, why is keeping apart from one another part of this whole package? It seems so counterintuitive when the people of God have always been instructed to bring two or more together. Yeah, well, I mean, in order to really understand that, I think you need to understand a little bit about how this virus is transmitted. And there's two ways. Um, First of all, it's a very infectious virus. Um, but basically, um, when people there's droplet transmission. So when people cough or sneeze, um, they, this, the droplets with the virus can go out three to six feet. So that's why they talk about you know staying like six feet away from people. Or, and then also, it's, but then also, for the virus can live on surfaces um, like your hands or other kinds of surfaces. So that's why we're told, um, you know, not to shake hands with other people. Um, so the safest thing to do in order to, to contain the virus is to just follow these recommendations, which is what they refer to as social distancing. So, now, so it's it, more for it's more for other people actually than it is for us. We're, we're, we're trying to we're trying to keep other people safe. We're definitely trying to keep other people safe because as soon as we get the virus, then we can become part of the problem, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, we could take up health care resources that really are desperately needed for other people. Um, people like my age, I mean, you don't know how much sex I'm going to get. I mean, I could end up taking up a ventilator or something like that that somebody else could really benefit from. Mm-hmm. So what they're trying to do, what we want to do is not spread the virus because you can be an asymptomatic shredder, shedder of the virus. In other words, you could have it and for the first few days really not know it or have mild symptoms. Um, they found that the virus like in little, uh, pops up in little clusters of people. And um, you don't want to be part of the problem. You want the resources to, uh, you know, so that, that's the whole idea of what they call flattening the curve. Um, and it, so by decreasing the number of sick people, it also gives the country a chance to catch up with the things we need to fight this epidemic, like better testing for the virus, which is coming soon, we hope, mm-hmm. um, increasing production of ventilators and development of medications and vaccines. So until the country as a whole can kind of catch up with some of these things, we need to do our part by staying safe. Mm-hmm. That really makes good sense. It's very practical advice. Besides staying at home um, and keeping our distance, what else can we do to protect other people? 
And to keep well, get and not get sick ourselves. And the big thing, as you talked about, we've talked about, and I'm sure you've heard, is washing your hands with soap and water mm-hmm. for 20 seconds, which is happy, singing happy birthday twice. Um, <laughs> doing, that, doing that frequently. Um, the reason that soap is so good is because the virus itself actually has what's called a lipid membrane, or it has a lot of fat in the membrane, and soap is something that breaks down fat. Um, which you can't get... question if you're staying in then your your that sort of limits your necessity of doing these things um, repeatedly or sh- are they still important well I think it's like any habit it's hard to um, I, I think it's better to get in the habit of doing these things mm-hmm. so I try to do them even when I'm just at home with one other person um, I get up, I, I try to disinfect my surfaces every day, uh, you know, frequently touch the handles like doorknobs, faucets, and things like that. Mm-hmm. I still use my Kleenex. All those things I mentioned, I do them because now I'm in the habit of doing them. So we've heard on the news that, you know, these droplets can live on cloth and they can live, they can live on metal and all these different things. So if we go out... Um, to the store or the bank or something like that, is there something different we should do when we get home? Well, you make sure that um, I, when I go out, I actually wear, like for the grocery store, I wear gloves. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you don't have gloves, you, you make sure that you get one of those hand wipes that they have the grocery store and sanitize the cars. Um, when you come home, make sure that you um, wash your hands and um, whatever... Uh, you know, get and whatever surfaces they come in contact with the bags and so forth. I've had to do a resanitization of those surfaces. Um, when my refrigerator is pretty empty before I go out, I do a wipe down of all those surfaces as well. Uh, so just uh, keeping keeping those things clean that you can and minimizing going out. I mean, there's a lot of things that are open, like banks aren't open. I mean, automatic tellers are open, but really the only place you can go anymore is to the grocery store. You have to get carry out food, right? I think that's true around here. I don't think it's true in every state, but it's certainly what's happening uh, here in the New York metropolitan area, and it sounds like it's what's happening in Missouri now as well. Well, you- and I, I tell you something. I started this, what I'm talking to you about, before mm-hmm. it was happening, before they mandated it in St. Louis. So anybody that's in the sound of my voice, just start it now. Mm-hmm. Start practices now. 
I mean, I, I saw something kind of semi-humorous on Facebook. It said, your grandparents were asked to fight a war. You're being asked to sit on a to stay home and sit on a couch. We could do it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably true. Um, so I have a couple of questions just about the um, the disease itself. So what are the, we hear it on the news, but we want to hear it from somebody that we know and trust. What are the symptoms? Well, the, 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 the big symptom is fever. So one thing you should make sure is that you own a thermometer. Um, if you have, the virus can start, though, and so that you feel like you're getting early symptoms of the cold or flu, though. Um, miss cough, um, and then um, fatigue, maybe to start with. But once you get a fever, and um, especially if you get shortness of breath, that's the time you really need to call in your professional help. Also, don't wait to get that call-in number until you're sick, because when you're sick, you're sick. So look up the local call-in number right now, either for your doctor, your health care system, or your public health department. If you look on your new, in the newspaper, they should have some call-in numbers for you where they can even call in, describe your symptoms, and they will help you decide if you should be tested or whatever you do. Um, if you're really, really feeling sick and need to call 911 or going into a hospital, make sure that you uh, notify 911, as well as the hospital you're going to, of your symptoms and that you're coming in so they can be prepared for you. Right. I, I know that every county in the country has a public health service. So I looked up my public health service to see we, where we, we could go for testing and where we could go for treatment. So I I already followed your advice before I got it, but I think it's, a, I think it's an excellent thing to do. Yeah, right. You're Everybody yeah. says. <laughs> Everybody says be prepared. Yeah. Be prepared. So, um, does the testing hurt? No, it's just a swab. I mean, it's just a, I think a nasal swab. Okay. Um, uh, the problem is, is that they're not testing a lot of people because we haven't had a lot of test kits. But that is supposedly going to change, we hope. And um, so I think what we're going to see is more people being tested and the actual numbers of people with diagnosed coronavirus going up. That doesn't mean we have more coronavirus in the community. It just means we're detecting it more and people are going to be quarantined a little earlier. Um, so, and also the new tests that are going to come out, supposedly the results will be back in three hours rather than three days. Mm-hmm. So that will also help us kind of lock down these groups of, you know, groups of people that have the virus but really don't have many symptoms. Now, in your experience, how long do things like this last? Uh, well, uh, it, it, we don't know. I mean, the, that's why the testing thing is so important. Um, the sooner that we can stop transmission of the virus by staying at home and by early detection and um, uh, quarantining people, having them shelter in place if they have the virus, the sooner we will stop the transmission. I mean, in China, um, where they did this for millions and millions of people, there are it's showing that, that basically the infection rate is going down. Um, so, we, you know, the outcome really
really depends on what we do right now. I mean, what we do as a society, as a um, uh, individual, as a state, um, and that kind of thing. Um, so something, uh, you know, the, the big thing is just to, to, I think, to follow your local newspaper and find out what your local public health says for you to do in terms of precautions. Okay. Um, that should be a top line in your public health, in the newspaper. Um, and remember, just take it one day at a time. I mean, this is a relatively short period in your life, but it's a, an important one. Um, so serve others by doing what you're supposed to do and do the right thing. Yes, that, that, that's really all really good practical advice, and I think those are easy to, things to follow. I was wondering, because of the fact that you have combined faith and and science and medicine all of this time, if you have any advice about how um, you would recommend praying about this? Well, I mean, the first thing I would, I would just suggest is, before I get to prayer, is don't watch too much of the news. Watch your intake of the news. Mm-hmm. Because, um, again, God didn't give us a spirit of fear and power, but power, love, and a sound mind. So um, for what I've been doing is, is reading through your book of prayers, you know, Storming Heaven with Prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read through it every day with a, a person who is at home, an elderly person who's got cancer. And so I've, I've been reading those prayers, too, and they're, they're just wonderful. They're very helpful. Um, I also think that this is a good time to increase your intake of the Word. Um, uh, before this all came down, um, my fiancé and I were involved in a Bible study on Luke. So I've just been continuing my own personal Bible study of Luke. Uh, you know, just, just just stay in the Word and, and, and pray. Uh, pray, with, pray with God for, for strength. I, need, I really needed to pray to reduce my anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the beginning, I was having a lot of anxiety about this. I was having problems sleeping and things like that. And so um, I had this very specific prayer for me to uh, de- decrease my anxiety. I, I also think that any time that you can serve other people, um, that also is very helpful. Um just and by serving, I mean I have a kind of little group of people that I call on the phone every day that I FaceTime or just check in on them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of other people around that are having a tougher time than you are. Um, and I, when I go grocery shopping, um, I pick up extra groceries for people and deliver it to their homes. People who don't have a car or people who don't have money to buy groceries. So I mean I think as Christians we're we're called to to serve other people either through Yes, I think that's very, very good advice. And we know um, because we believe that the Lord is our refuge and um, that when we cry out to him, he hears our prayers and he will give us triumph over our enemies. And so that is continues to be my advice is to remember that the coronavirus has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus um, we're asking the Lord every day to rob it of its power, and we continue to do that because all things are possible with him. 
and we will not be afraid because he is standing at our right hand. So I really appreciate your coming on today. Maybe um, we can do some other things to help people through this short period of time where we'll all be um, contained in our homes. Amen. Okay, thank you, Karen. Thank you. God bless you. Bye. Bye.